1: Until now through May 14th. visit livenationcom concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Shawn Paul, Sum 41, Thirty Seconds to Mars, Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
2: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of Steel Battery Tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save fifty dollars on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK systems, through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
3: Welcome to the SI Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer, coming to you this week with an NBA-themed show. I uh, just want to say I appreciated the feedback from the New York audience out there on Chris Mad Dog Russo last week. I heard from a lot of you on that, that... You loved hearing the dog on the podcast, and that was a lot of fun to tape. So I thank you for listening to that. If you haven't, check that out in the archives. This week, we're doing a little theme here that um, I think you will enjoy immensely because it's about a couple of feel-good stories. First up on the podcast will be J.E. Skeets and Toss Mellis. They are two of the four hosts of The Starters on NBA TV. I go way back with them from when I wrote Hot Clicks, and they were doing blogs at Yahoo!, and uh, they went from blogging at Yahoo, even before that they were blogging and did podcasts, and then they ended up with this uh, really good show on NBA TV that airs every day. They've done over a 1,000 episodes of it, the starters. And they talk about their rise and, and what it's been like for them. And they they were really great. And then after that, you're going to hear uh, an interview with Twitter personality, NBA Twitter personality, Rob Perez, who you know is at World Wide Wob. I have to say that slowly because... I only want to say, worldwide Rob, worldwide Wob, who uh, is an NBA highlights machine on Twitter. A lot of people follow him for NBA content, and he talks about how he's utilized Twitter and Periscope to become a personality and lead that into getting a job. So it's an interesting, two interesting sports media stories coming up on this episode of the SI Media Podcast, and let's get it started right now with J.E. Skeets and Toss Mellis. All right, joining me now, two legends of the blogosphere and now stars on television. They are two of the four hosts of the Starters on NBA TV, which recently celebrated, unbelievably, their 1,000th episode. And it's a great story. I love their story. So joining me now from the Starters is J.E. Skeets and Toss Mellis. How are you guys doing?
4: Hey, Jimmy, how's it going? Good.
3: It's going well. And... Uh, like I said, I love your story because I remember when I was doing hot clicks back in '07 and '08, I'd always link to your blog with Yahoo. And I know you guys even started before that. I'm just, I'll start with Skeets. Just give me a little, a quick, you know, how it all started for you, and the internet podcast, and just the climb to where you where you are today.
4: Yeah. I guess, 12 or 13 years running here uh, now when we first sort of started blogging and started the podcast. And and I went to school with Tass and uh, went to school with our producer to this day, um, Matty O and our director to this day, um, JD. And after school, we all went to Ryerson University in Toronto. Um, You know, we had worked on projects together and we we took radio and television. So there was obviously an interest in both both of those fields. Um, But we just started kicking around ideas like what, what are we going to do here after school? And, and this is something we want to, you know, you know, try and get into. And, and, and at the time, you know, JD, from what I remember was the first one to throw out the idea of a podcast. And again, this is way back when, and no one really knowing what that meant. And, and Tass and I definitely didn't sort of <laughs> just explain, you know, it's sort of like radio, but it isn't, you can listen to it on the internet, and all that. So his whole point was just like, let's just create something. So what are you guys interested in? And Tass and I are big sports fans, obviously, And we were just going to do a sports podcast, but we said, you know, let's, let's focus in on something specific. So what are we really into? And we're both Raptors fans, both basketball fans. So we went with an NBA podcast. And from there, it was just once a week, um, just sitting down and talking ball in JD's apartment. And then that sort of snowballed into two shows a week and then a daily show through Skype and then a daily show in a studio that we were going to before our normal day jobs. And then we thought, Hey, maybe we should turn this into video. And so we did a video podcast. And then, you know, eventually the job at the score, which was a, a sports television network in Canada. And we're there for a couple of years. And then I guess five or six years ago now, you know, got picked up by NBA TV and they were interested in what we were doing up there and, and came down here. So it's was a very abbreviated way to say, you know, we did a thousand shows before we even did a thousand shows right. here with NBA TV. But that was the idea. We just started it as a podcast. Um two guys talking ball. Now at the end it's just four guys talking yeah. basketball. One guy's an Australian and one guy's
3: a <laughs> F- It 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 I uh you mentioned you're a Raptors fan, we're taping this on Tuesday. I appreciate both of you coming on today after the Raptors Got swept last night. I know it's probably difficult to talk about the NBA today, but your troopers for coming on, um, Taz. When you guys started the podcast, I'm just curious. Who? I mean, was anyone even? I remember you guys. You might have even been doing it before Simmons. You definitely were, sort of the uh, the one of the first out there doing it. If i what are those early podcast podcast days? What do you remember about that?
0: Yeah he said, I mean, our producer J.D. was definitely far more into it because he said, why, why are we doing a podcast? Keith and I said, what the hell is a podcast? We really had no idea. Uh, and there weren't a lot of sports podcasts out there. There, there. there were a few, but there definitely wasn't any that were daily at the time. So we thought we, we could fill in that sort of um, void in the, in the market. There are far more um, non-sports podcasts. And J.D., he likes basketball, but he doesn't doesn't really like basketball. So he he was listening to a heck of a lot more podcasts. I, I remember there's this this one a couple was doing in their living room that was uh, pretty popular at the time. Um, and I mean, we were I, I think lucky that that we had JD's audio production background. It right. sounded great from the get go. 2006. Um, I, I should say we did do uh, probably our first five months in his living room and there were dogs running around from time to time. You could hear their paws uh, on the ground. And JD was extremely angry about that. Uh, And then when we went to Skype uh, doing it daily, we didn't want to see each other every single day. So we did it over Skype and he was angry about that to to start with, because the audio production was, was poor over Skype. But um, uh, we got, got into a studio and um, yeah. And then, I mean, we are frankly, the, the foresight to, to jump on it um, is a huge part of our success. Not not only the foresight, just, just frankly the timing. You know yeah. that we that we jumped in that that long ago and got our reps, and the fact that no one was really getting, You know, we we had feedback that people were listening, but we got our reps in in that um, that period where we were bad, and uh, frankly not uh, not a whole lot of people to to give us the pressure to be good right right from the get go. So that that helped a lot.
3: So when you had the podcast going, you were blogging. I know you you had the Basketball Jones. You you did the Yahoo Ball Don't Lie. Well, did you at the time? What were your goals back then? Like, did you always have the goal of TV, or were you just doing your thing and not really thinking about how it how it was going to pan out for you? Yeah, it's a good question.
4: I mean, I definitely didn't think. Ten years in the future when we started, I'd be getting a wedgie from Shaq live on the air or, uh, you know, getting all some of these Hall of Famers to come on the show and talk to them about basketball. I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't see that. But when we were doing the audio podcast for a while and we were having a lot of fun with it, like Kat said, we were getting our reps in. We were getting better at it. We felt like we were starting to get a bit of feedback of people finding out about podcasts at the beginning and then finding out about sports podcasts and finding out about this specific basketball podcast and enjoying it and getting some feedback. We then just made that decision, um, to say, maybe we should turn this into a video podcast with with the definite idea of maybe we can turn this into a TV show. Um, and you know, so that was a, a, a big undertaking, obviously, um, you know, I have a face for podcasts, so it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was it was a huge move. And you know, at the time, I remember our very loyal but small fan base going, "Well, what are you doing? This is stupid!" Like right. we like it for a podcast, and you're just going to ruin it. Um, but we were confident in not only that we had some experience, obviously in school and in making television and what we thought was good television. Um, but we felt let's get these reps in, and maybe that will help continue this um what of course is a podcast but continue this this show we it, really enjoy doing and maybe make it a yeah make a future
3: out of it a pretty brilliant strategy on your part because it, it eventually became where every website i know this from si and even you know it's all it's video 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 all you hear about is video 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 so um that was very smart on your part to make that a component
4: yeah, and I'd add to that. We got lucky that I worked for um, Yahoo Sports. I was a, a daily blogger. I was writing about basketball all day. You know, after we had done the, the done the show, um, and it's not like that was going to the front page of Yahoo by any means, but I'm sure it helped get some eyeballs on what we were doing um, and uh, and to grow the fan base that way. So for sure. Yeah,
3: I, I want to keep going with your careers, but I'm going to just go off here and make a quick left turn real quickly since you have been doing the podcast thing for so long i'd love for each of you to tell me um the biggest mistake you think podcasters make and advice you have for podcasters love to hear both of you tackle that one. Oh,
0: that interesting, interesting. Uh, the biggest mistake i would guess is that um people don't talk about what they're passionate about and, and sort of try to fit it into a box I, I would think mm-hmm. um, you know as we sort of thought about at the beginning you know I we both grew up just loving sports in general consuming all sorts of sports you know talk shows and, and we thought well that's what we got to do we got to make a sports show and uh, we would have failed it, it, definitely fallen right on our, our faces if we tried that and I, I think that's the biggest thing um you got to talk about what you love and not try and sort of you know, fit the uh the the type of shows that you think people want. Mm-hmm. That's my word of advice. Okay,
4: Je. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I sort of echo that. I mean, we get asked this a lot from people. If we if we do get a chance to talk on panels or or other podcasts about starting the show and how we got into it, because it is a crazy story. Um, and I and and so a lot of people come up like, oh, you know, I want to start this podcast with my friend, and we want to talk about, you know, whatever, crime or fashion or this particular sport or this niche thing, and I say, that's great, that's cool, um, now go do it, and do it for, set Set yourself a schedule on when you're going to release this thing, are you going to do it daily, are you going to do it once a week, are you going to do it twice a week, are you do it once a month, set that schedule and stick with it for a good couple of months, and by the 10th show, tell me if you still enjoy doing the show, because if you don't, well, you might as well pull the plug right now, because you're not you you don't have the passion there for it. Right. Um, and, and it's going to, and it's a lot of work. It doesn't, it's podcasting. I find it sounds like one of those things that's, and it sort of is, I get it, but it sounds so easy, but to do it well, and especially if you're trying to do it daily or, you know, at least twice or three times a week, it's a lot of work. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of work that goes in, obviously. And you know this, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir, but like a lot of prep work into, well, who am I talking to? What are we talking about? What's different about this one? How can we grow this? So, I always just say, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. That sounds fun. Uh, but go do it and tell me if you like it come the ninth or 10th show when you probably have your mom and your dad and your best friends <laughs> are the only ones listening to it. Then tell me if you still like it. Cause if you do, then you're right. probably in the right field and you probably got something there with uh, whatever topic you've picked. But if you don't, then, uh, yeah, you,
3: you know, I don't know if you're, you're in rough shape. I'm curious. It's great advice too. And, um, it's definitely if it's not It's. I also think if it's not your main thing that you do don't think you don't have a lot to learn about it you do um you know this wasn't my main thing i was always doing other stuff at si and then i took this on and um you definitely need to put 100% into it there's a lot that goes on here like you said people think it's easy and it's not i'm cur- when did you when did you guys first Uh, you know i don't want you to i know you're gonna say oh you know it's probably not you know you guys don't want to brag but when did you first realize you have an audience you have popularity was it through the blogs more the podcast more there has to be that moment where you're you know where you're getting email you know it's always bizarre if someone sends you an email and they say like i'm a fan of your work it's like oh really you know like you had to have a moment where you were like "Mm, we're becoming a little bit of a big deal here was it through the podcast the blog how did that all break down
0: yeah, I'll start us off. I, I think when we got to NBA TV was the most surreal moment. Um, Ernie Johnson was sitting around filming uh, an open court program with a bunch of NBA legends, and it was clear that the guys hadn't seen the show and they were hearing the Basketball Jones or the starters uh, for the very first time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when Ernie brought up, hey, these guys are coming down to work here and do their show from down here. And Charles Barkley says, starters, I haven't heard of them. <laughs> um, I mean, that was really, really surreal. And um, it, it felt it felt like it wasn't happening. Um, and uh, I, I don't think there was a singular moment, I think, leading up to that that really stands out to me. But I, I myself kept going through those first four years um, with the help of fans emailing in. And and tweeting in and letting us know that we were doing a, a really great job, um, and otherwise, you know, it's it's there's no feedback happening, there's no feedback loop. So when I'm, when I remember getting emails from places like Hong Kong or India, even, and and I thought, like, wow, like we actually have something that people want to listen to, uh, and you know, the fact that now we've got NBA players coming on and trusting us to. Uh, interview them. And, and that, that, that to me is all, I don't know. It, it's, it feels like it happened really slowly, but at the same time, I, I guess it's like having a kid. it, it They grow up fast, but
3: uh,
0: <laughs> it happened real, real slow.
3: You, you repeated that so well. Thank you to yeah uh, so I would, what, what about yeah, I would,
4: I would <laughs> like just add to it, I guess, like my sort of like, wow, we sort of, not that we've made it, but that we are doing something right um, moments where One, when any time the podcast, um, be it back in the days when it was just an audio podcast or then when we started to venture into doing video podcasts, any time that we could not get it up for whatever reason, um, human error, technology failing us, but it just wouldn't go up within that general hour span that we were used to getting it up and, 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 uh, and posting it daily, people would freak out. And that's when I started to be like, yeah, that was obviously, I mean, it sucked because people are just getting angry that (laughs) the the free show you're delivering them at the time is not up, but that was a good sign, absolutely, because that meant, you know, we had become a part of these people's routine, you know. They sat down to listen to the podcast or watch the, uh, the video podcast when they were having breakfast or on the ride home or whatever, and it was like we were not we were ruining the routine of their day yeah. and that was great because that meant we were a part of the routine. so that was sort of like one moment where I was like, oh, okay wow that, that's great. We have sort of this diehard fan base. Um, the other thing is we when we hit our 500th show as the Basketball Jones, we decided to do a live show and you know we rented out a bar and put on a, a live performance i mean it was we were recording it as a podcast but it was basically a live show up on stage and that was definitely a like a wow moment because yeah there was definitely some of our friends there don't get me wrong they were coming to have a free drink or two but it was it was a bunch of people that a lot of them strangers that just we didn't know but they listened to us daily and they were showing up to see us Um, do a live show. And we did that for the 500th episode. And then we eventually did like a super um, three-part live show for our five-year anniversary when we were with the Basketball Jones. And we did a roast and we did a game show and we did a musical. Like we wrote a musical and people were showing up. And it was like, that to me was like, wow, all these like – all these people that I don't know that I just hope in my head are listening (laughs) to us daily are suddenly at least ones that could make it to the show are, are right there in the flesh and coming up and shaking hands and saying, thank you. And you got me through a tough time and all this. It's like that to me was like a, wow. We were like, at least sort of like, we're sort of like, I guess, touching some people and they feel like we're their buddies because they listen to us every day. Talk about basketball.
3: That's, that's pretty, I remember some of those music videos you guys did back in the day too. They were always very entertaining and, um, it's funny to hear. It's funny to hear you say things. I, I had such similar experiences. I guess, um, you know, whenever I wrote something for SI, I would always think like, okay, like you know, four or five of my friends are reading this, and that's about it. And then someone like comments on it, and it still takes me back that someone other than my four or five friends are reading it. So I, I know, I know that feeling about you know, being seeing the people in the bar. Um, tell me about ending up on NBA TV now? Was it something that was worked on for a while? Did the NBA reach out to you? How did it all come down? I mean, there. well, let me ask you this before. I I was going to make a general statement. Before you got to NBA TV, did you ever feel sort of, you know, the stigma of being a quote-unquote blogger? Or did just going to NBA TV erase any of that feeling? Because, you know, some people do use that term as a way to maybe, you know, you're not a reporter, you're a blogger. Ooh. Did you ever feel that? And did it? And, you know, obviously, the NBA didn't feel that way. But tell me about that.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, definitely, uh, you're right about I was a blogger. And I mean, at times, it was uh, used as a as a term to sort of belittle you and stuff like that. Though I never cared about that. Because, I was I didn't go to journalism school. I was not a reporter. I had no interest in going into locker rooms and reporting news and mm-hmm. trying to get all that. That was not where I wanted to go with my career. So that that didn't bother me at all. I just liked um you know, I liked first off in the in the early pioneer blogging days, I liked the idea of Someone that's an NBA fan going to one site to get all their news sort of curated for them. Hey, you should go click over and read this, or here's a, f- an, a funny video that you may have missed, and here it is. And mm-hmm. that's sort of what blogging was in right. the early stages, and that's how I looked at it, and that's what I actually was good at that part of it, not the actual writing part of it. Um, but no, when we came down here, not at all did I feel that way because at, at that point we were, when we were working for the Score Television Network, you know, we were yes still doing a podcast, um, and, and Trey was definitely blogging. Uh, up in toronto for us but we were making a television show as well and um and we were making you know as funny videos as we could as many as we could come up with and crazy ideas and trying all that viral videos and and stuff like that and like a bosch and all that took off um so when we came mm-hmm. here no i never like no one definitely no one ever called me a blogger here or anything but right. what also i will say there's no doubt when we came to atlanta to work for nba tv there were a lot of people that were like, who are these guys? Right. And and what are these guys? And, uh, you know, definitely. And we expected that, um, and that had been the case with every little sort of step of the ladder that we'd worked our way up. Um, but we were all pretty confident in what we did and, and how hard we worked that, yeah, maybe we're not for everybody. Uh, we get that, but you're definitely not gonna after a couple weeks or a couple months of, of seeing how hard we work, ever discredit that these guys all oh, they just sit down and mail it in, do all that. Like we knew that wouldn't be the case. Right, and, absolutely. And, and we just and we know we grow on people too, for whatever reason. So <laughs> um it was yeah, it was definitely sort of like a lot of like who are these guys? It was just more like, what are they? They're not former athletes. Why are they talking about basketball and NBA TV? But, you know, in, in the end, people just see, uh, first off, how much we love the NBA and then, and then how hard we work and, and how we try and tackle the NBA a little differently than, than your former athletes that are sitting at the desk.
3: And I, I do think, and, and Taz, I'll, I'll go to you with this, I do think, though, there's a difference between doing a TV show and working for the score than actually working for the league that does seem like next level stuff. I'm just curious. Tell me how it, I know it was back in 2013 NBA, when you joined NBA TV, did the NBA come to you and were you surprised by that? How did, how did the deal come about to, to get on NBA TV?
0: Well, when we were at the score, we were doing segments for NBA TV, TV from there that we were sending down to Atlanta, that they would air. There was a relationship okay. between the score and NBA TV, because the score had Canadian rights. And uh, so we were often, even at night, we were doing a show called Court Surfing Um, once a week where we'd bounce around the league like diamond surfing, that kind of thing. Uh, And so the league was very aware of what we were doing. Um, I think, as we know, as sports fans, it's an extremely progressive league, and they they saw these, these dudes who didn't wear suits and ties um, but came to work every day in a professional manner and and still did their, you know, their, their podcast and, and, and their television show as well. And, um, so there was already that relationship that we had. And, um, and so then it just sort of snowballed, um, as the, the score was going in a different direction. Um, you know, they, they focused on their, their app, which is still a great app by the way. And, um, you know, we, we jumped on board with NBA TV at the time and, they didn't try and change us, um, you know, which is a uh, huge kudos uh, to the league. And, and you're right, Jimmy, that it's it's definitely a different, um, it's a different feel. We're, you know, what we started talking about in, in uh, our producer JD's kitchen. Now we're talking about the the entity that we're talking about. Actually, we represent, right. um, which is it is totally different. And I think the confidence that Skeets was talking about is sort of. It stems from you know we're we're all internet kids like we we grew up in a in the age where it feels like everything is sort of an even playing field on the internet um, you know the the cream rises to the top the good stuff gets passed around and uh, I, I think that's what helps uh, you know our our psyches and our egos and and the fact that people want kept wanting to to see our show and and it, you know even though we got here and, and people people look at the screen and they're like what these guys aren't wearing suits well, who are these losers yeah. um uh, you know at the same time we know that you know we produce a good product and uh, so that that helps our confidence level and deal with all those the uh, you know the quote unquote haters that uh, that see these uh four white guys as they call it uh, mm. and and they say what what the, what the heck is this um you know we uh We knew that even as the NBA TV again to to give them kudos because they were listening to our podcast. They were making sure that they weren't going to bring down a a bunch of guys that were, you know, that what unprofessional or degraded their product or uh, swore all the time. They were actually listening to our podcast, and and the fact that you know that they would to go out of our way to to move us a thousand miles or however many it is from from Toronto to Atlanta and and bring all our families down. They you know they put a lot of work into. Uh, knowing what they were bringing down, and um, and you know, kudos to them for for having a, a show that everybody should have. Shouldn't MLB Network right.
3: have a show like ours? I, mean, I think I, they I, try to with like intentional talk, but I, I think I don't know. I've been on this big kick on SI.com lately. I'm a big fan of Good Morning Football um, on the NFL Network in the morning, and I see that as such a similar thing to your show. I mean, they have Nate Burleson, so they do have one ex athlete. But I do think I I do find it interesting that with Good Morning Football and the starters, it's just it's fans who may not be like, you know, household, not even household names, but the big names like ESPN is always trying to pluck a big name. And it's like you said about the Internet where the, the cream of the crop rises. I think it maybe it takes a little longer for shows like yours, but the quality wins out in the end. And people who are smart realize it's not just about big names. It's about is the show good?
4: Yeah, yeah and I think even I would add to that do the do the people that are making the show have a chemistry exactly, and, and that's where we have you know a thousand two thousand you know shows leg up on uh, a lot of people if you were trying to create a show, and that's the difficult part if you're putting this person with this person with this person, well, can they form a chemistry, and how long does that take um to yeah. to do on air and off air I think too
3: the um okay, now, like j e said, your show is light you do a lot of fun stuff, social media stuff. You're looking to have fun. You're not going to do, you know, maybe controversial subjects. That's not what your show is. So no one would expect that. But have there, have you had any issues at all with the NBA? Do you ever have to hold back an opinion or doesn't even factor in because you're doing such a light show?
4: I mean, uh, we have, From my recollection, there's nothing I've ever said on there um, or any of us where it's like, whoa, 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 you can't go saying that. And we criticize, you know, the league at times for decisions made or officials like anyone else, like any guys do in the bar talking about the game or the league or where it's headed or decisions made. Um, No, not at all. Have they ever um, have ever gotten that call saying, oh, I think you went a little too far with your opinions on that. And you're right. Our show is no doubt. It's light, it's fun. Um, I mean, we're talking about grown men playing a uh, basketball. It should be fun. It, it basketball is a blast. Um, but that's all that said. We definitely get into, you know, the main topics of the day, and some of those are are can be heavy. So, um, and 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 we always are trying to find a balance. I find with our show, and I feel like this has gone on for 12 years. Of like, hey, this should be fun, but hey, I hope people learn something about you know the league and the particular ins and outs of a basketball game and stuff like that there's always like that balance to me and i've always you know gone back and forth are we are we going too silly or is it getting too serious you know it just sort of goes back and forth yeah um but no no to answer your sort of your your original question there not at all the 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 the, the, the nba knew what they were getting with our show they liked it for a reason right. um and they've let us um try and make a better show every day, and, and if you watch our first shows with NBA TV when we first came here and compare them to now, um, I think they're, you know, light years better, so they, they've they let us sort of find our groove and, and get comfortable um, in the studios down here.
3: All right, a couple of light-hearted questions here, not that, you know, I was getting all Walter Cronkite on you and, <laughs> at the beginning of this, but I'm just curious. So you guys went to college together. You did... You know, the Basketball Jones together, Yahoo together, the score together, NBA TV together. Do you ever get sick of each other?
4: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why we... We're uh, recording this in different
0: rooms right
3: now.
4: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, we can't stand to look at each other while we're talking on the phone to the same person. Do you uh, do like
3: the married couple bicker? Like sometimes where you just start picking on it? You know, oh look at the look at the way you're drinking that water out of the bottle. I can't even uh, look at you.
4: <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like the best part is we are we are all good friends, and that includes, like I said, our, our producer Matt and our director JD. We're all good friends, so we go, we're always cracking on each other like friends do. Um, right. But there is no doubt, like after a very long season of making a whole lot of television (laughs) shows and podcasts, um, and I I don't think I'm, you know, this isn't just me. I feel like I'm speaking for everyone. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tass, but you just want to get away from each other because you've hung out with each other more than you hang out with your families um, in in making seven shows a week. So, yeah, when we hit that little after-summer league, after we go to (laughs) Vegas and do some summer league shows, we, we scatter. Let's put it that way. We scatter. Right for a good, um, at least a good month or so to try and get away from each other and talk to some other people about other subjects.
3: Yeah, like, like Tess, if I asked you for like what's like J.E.'s worst habit and you revealed it, would he get mad at you, or you think, or like N- the bond? No, is-
4: he's no he's
0: way. revealed it himself. What's his worst habit? Uh, Let's hear it. Can you hear it right now? He's a mouth breather. Oh. Yeah. Can you hear it on the mic? I
3: I, I do that too, so I, I I think I'm a nose breather into the mic, which is actually grosser, but... <laughs>
0: No, it's um, it goes way back. I think because our uh, we've gotten better mics. It yeah. used to be worse when we were doing it over Skype, uh, and quite often we would plan our show as we were sitting there. We would talk. You know, we'd sort of go over our, our show, get on the on Skype, go over what we wanted to go through you know, our outline, and then we'd kind of do research as we were sitting there with our sort of our earpieces in, and I could hear Skeets pumping in. Just pump, pumping out the breath in, into the microphone.
4: I can't breathe through that? my nose, Tash. You know I struggle. Yeah, with sure, sure. Um, disability. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Sorry, I'm making yeah, fun of a disability now, Yeah, you're now, making man.
3: fun of a of an affliction. That's not nice. Yeah, I'm exactly. gonna get I'm gonna get how
0: reprimanded. This is gonna this is gonna be my, my first punishment here at NBA <laughs> TV. I'm Gonna get reprimanded for this. Yeah, I, how
3: I, do you know
4: I, Commissioner <laughs> Silver is not a mouth breather yeah. like I am? You're getting a call, man.
3: That's that would be that would be a great admission from Commissioner Silver. Um, <laughs> tell me tell me about the players, the NBA players, because now you interact with them. It, you know, g- have they embraced you? Who, who's a fu- who's a player, current player? Not an ex player, current player you guys have like a good relationship with, who's fun, likes to show, maybe likes to fool around with you guys?
0: Uh, we got m- uh, to respect because we are on television. I mean, that's <laughs> that's definitely part of it. If we weren't on TV... Because
3: um, yeah, the players are watching that channel, so they yeah,
0: know you. 100%. Uh, yeah, 100%. I, I was just in um, uh, London for the uh, the London game in, in January. I had uh, my starter's microphone in hand, and Kyrie Irving looked at me. <laughs> didn't say anything. But then he <laughs> saw the mic flag. And he goes, oh, the starters. I know you guys. They so didn't, per- didn't know me personally, but he knew of the show. And I, I know even in, in 2016, Trey was in the locker room with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers after they won the championship. And they were all, you know, after you win the championship, you're a lot more free and easy. And, and so they were all over Trey um, saying that they love the show, including Kyrie, LeBron, le- legitimately LeBron, Dwayne Wade. Um, those guys have talked about the show. Um and, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing. I, I love these guys, um, for their personalities, but I also, as Skeets was talking about before, like the whole beat writing thing, you know, you still want to be critical. Um, and, and I don't know how great I would be if I was in a locker room and, and friends with everybody. Um, and that's the side, I'm, I'm going off, off topic. That's here. okay. Fact is, fact is people like us cause we're on television.
3: Listen, no matter matter how big you get, no matter how many shows you do for NBA NBA TV, over 1,000, whatever, it's still got to be a trip that LeBron James watches you on TV.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a trip. We were just in All-Star Weekend, uh, and we got a chance to—we're out on the floor, and we're doing a bit of a a wrap-up piece for for a a show that will eventually air after the All-Star Weekend. And so all the players are out there, and the families are getting out there, and people are getting the awards and all that. And, uh, you know, LeBron walks by— and there are millions, or not millions, but there are hundreds of people out on the court. And, uh, you know, he sees us, sees he recognizes, I mean, it helps. we got a giant Trey Kirby that's like 6'4", 6'5", <laughs> and has a giant beard, that's don't right. get me wrong. He st- he sticks out a lot more than I do. Um, but definitely recognize the show, the, the pointing at us, like, you know, like, it's, it's surreal to me yeah. any time. Not, not only like a LeBron, but, you know, John Wall... Um walked by our table when we were at the NBA Awards show and said he was a big fan like any of these guys, um that that just even know the show and, and it, it I didn't realize it at first but It is, they are watching it a lot because I'm sure NBA TV is on in their locker rooms a lot because they they are basketball fans as well. So, um, yeah, we get a lot more of that over the last couple of years of of guys that are in the league that are fans of the show. And and it's helped now, of course, that we go to Summer League and get to talk to a lot of these rookies at Summer League on our shows there, our live shows there. And they're, I mean, I always forget it because I forget I'm old, but, you know, they're 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, And that's honestly sort of. Who our show is is catered to young young you know young basketball fans so that part's um pretty surreal too so yeah it's always always a blast when a current NBA player is definitely uh, knows the show and is a fan of the show.
3: Toss when Kyrie saw you did he give you his flat earth theory during that interview?
0: <laughs> oh, I asked him about it. Um, oh, for sure, it was a perfect opportunity because we were in London, and so I said, okay, so you just flew across the world. Is the earth, <laughs> is the earth still flat? And, and he answered it well. Um, I mean, he basically played it off and, <laughs> and said, listen, I just want people to think for themselves, which I didn't mind.
3: Oh, he was Kanye before Kanye, basically. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: but no, good job. I mean, you guys say you're not journalists. You came right out with the question that needed to be asked. Um, <laughs> yeah, that has been that was Kanye's whole thing last week. No one can think for themselves. Everyone's got to be a free thinker. So Kyrie and Kanye, they probably have a project together in the future somewhere down the line, it sounds like they can, they can do. Yeah. Um, I noticed when you had the thousandth episode, that was a great montage, and the NBA TV guy, NBA and TNT guys, Shaq and and Barkley, Ernie and Kenny, seemed to really, it came off as genuine like for you guys. Give me the relationship there with with them, because obviously they're the they're as good as it gets in the standard in sports television.
4: Yeah, well, it's no secret, um, Ernie Johnson is the nicest man alive. Uh, everyone you hear everyone say that, and it checks out. He is. Um, it's just the truth so uh he was you know open arms from day 1 when we came down here when we when we were freaked out when we were like oh man do we sort of belong here and what are we doing and people are looking at us like what are these guys um, you know he was he was awesome from the get go same with Brent berry of course yeah no uh we've you know we don't get to see them a whole ton we uh, at at sort of tempole events like all star weekend and when we send guys to the finals and stuff they get to hang out a lot more or conference finals but um they 're all they 're all really nice, and yeah. you know like Chuck's hilarious because he knows we 're from Canada, so anytime <laughs> he anytime he sees us that 's what he references right. and then he references Rod Black. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's uh, you know a, a Canadian uh, sports broadcaster up there who he has a relationship with and goes golfing with every summer. So it's just mm-hmm. like he has the same uh, hilarious yeah. Canadian stories to share with us. But <laughs> yeah, they, they they really are great. And Shaq's been a blast too. And anytime we've ever had him on the show, so um, you know he likes coming on our show because he knows it's going to be crazy, and yeah. he's always on board for that. So if he's given me a wedgie live on air, he you know he's down to do that.
3: Shaq loves to have fun. There's no doubt. Yeah. Um. So we got. The starters on NBA TV, and you guys are rolling. But I got to ask you before we wrap up an NBA Finals prediction.
0: Wraps in <laughs> four. <form. laughs> uh, I think I think the Warriors are too good. Um, uh, as I said earlier, I think I said the cream rises to the crop. Um, the Warrior, which doesn't make <laughs> sense. No, that's I think that's uh, Skeets actually his best quality. He he takes two terms and he combines them, and I think that's rubbed off on me over the years. So the cream rises to the top, or the cream rises to the crop. I think the Warriors uh, take uh, you know right now. I do think the Cavs will get there, but um, I think the Warriors are going to be pretty focused on not letting whoever they face from the East win a game like they let the Cavs win last year. Yeah, I say I said let because <laughs> it sure it sure felt that way. So I think the Warriors are going to be focused on uh, steamrolling in the finals.
4: Yeah, but. this isn't exciting, but I'll agree with that. Yeah. I, I do think we're going to get Warriors-Cavs part four here um, and I do think the Warriors go back-to-back here. Uh, they, you know, Curse seems already that he's got the death lineup starting games. He may not mess around any longer, uh, but I'm excited for a Rockets-Warriors series. There's no doubt. I think it's going to go long.
3: It'd be interesting if uh Warriors Cavs three. Yeah, LeBron, I don't think he could do the do it this time. Um but my God, what a playoffs he's had. Do you Oh yeah oh yeah, we know as Raptors fans. We're yeah. well aware. It's gotta be that's, that oh man. I, I, I yeah, I feel for <laughs> you. Um sad way to end it, but yeah, <laughs> you brought it up. All right. That's true. But I appreciate you guys coming on. Like I said, I love your story and um it's so great that guys who start out with the podcast and the blogging and now you're superstars on NBA TV, over a 1,000 episodes of The Starters every night at 6 p.m. Eastern, if I'm not mistaken.
4: It changes a lot with it the changes. playoffs. But yeah, yeah, right, you, right, you, with the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. Sometimes 5.30, sometimes 6.00, sometimes yeah. 6.30. It all depends on when the games are starting, but yeah, we're on there every and night and, the, and then podcasts on Tuesdays and Fridays.
3: Yes, plug the podcast. You absolutely should do that. And uh, it's Trey Kirby, Lee Ellis, and then the two guys on the phone, J.E. Skeets and Taz Mellis. Like I said, appreciate this and uh, enjoy the rest of the finals, even though the playoffs, even though your team is sadly no longer there.
4: Now, this is when we can actually enjoy the playoffs, now that we're not watching the Raptors somehow yeah, that, that in excruciating yeah. ways.
3: Yeah, you can now just look at it and have fun with it instead of being invested.
4: That's exactly right.
3: All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, thanks, Jimmy. Jimmy. All right. Take care. All right. My thanks to J.E. Skeets. And toss Mellis of the starters, before I bring in my next guest, let me tell you that this episode of the SI Media Podcast is sponsored by Buffalo Wild Wings. This time of year brings us two things, graduations and Father's Day, and the gifts that go along with them. Before you buy your dad another tie, boring, or that grad, a balloon that will probably float away, big waste of money, ask yourself this, does my dad or grad like wings or sports or better yet, Both. If the answer is yes, and I'm sure it is, then get them a Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. Right now, if you purchase $30 worth or more in-store or online, Buffalo Wild Wings will give you a $5 bonus to keep for yourself. That's the gift that gives back. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, joining me now, another NBA, internet, social media story that is pretty fascinating my guest is rob perez of cycle media and buckets you know him though probably on twitter shouldn't say probably definitely on twitter as worldwide Wob. rob how's it going
2: not too bad uh, honestly it's kind of weird uh, talking to you on this podcast because i listened to it for so long between <laughs> you and deitch that here, being a guest on it is a little weird to me but well i'm doing good thanks for having me
3: well i appreciate you coming on and um I thought we uh, we just spoke to J.E. Skeets and Toss Mellis and um, I love their story and you've got a story going here which is pretty remarkable. You've become the go-to person for NBA highlights on Twitter and I, I, I think there's so much there and um, it's a very interesting story to me. Um, I guess though, I, I guess you're known as an NBA Twitter personality. What is that like exactly? Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I, that's, that's hard to describe but yeah. you know, I, yeah. I can tell you that I've always stuck to my guns in terms of uh, just what I do. I'm a diehard NBA fan that has loved the game for as far back as I can remember. And when I had the opportunity, or Twitter came about, social media just in general, uh, I've always wanted to share my opinion like everyone else, I guess, but mine has always been as a fan. You've got the Zach Lowe's of the world who are dynamite when it comes to X's and O's and can tell you about a flex cut and a, and a, what an elevator screen is and such, but you know I've always wanted to b- provide a lens uh, into the game of basketball, something that really hadn't been done before. And we we see the other end of the spectrum too, the hot takes where you're arguing at the bar with your friends, who's better, uh, MJ or Jordan? Or, I'm sorry, MJ or LeBron? You know stuff like that. But finding that medium ground and expose not exposing but put, shining a spotlight on things about the game that had never really been discussed before right. in ways that had never been done before was kind of the goal. And I never really had my hockey stick moment, never really had my Ken bone at the debate moment <laughs> or, uh, the, the Yodo kid. It yeah. was just, it's been a slow organic over the course of well, a decade now, just sticking to those guns.
3: Yeah. And I want to talk about that sort of climb. I'm going to, but I'm going to, before you even get to how it all happened, I'm going to actually start at the end first, it, because it's a question I got to know the answer to right off the bat. Have you ever heard from the NBA or ESPN about ripping highlights?
2: No, I, you know I, I haven't, okay. and I'm glad you brought that up because I do get asked this a lot. And while I'm even there's, I'm not even doing most of them in HD unless I'm on my uh, streaming on my phone. But you know, taking bootleg footage of a product that I don't own or pay the licensing fees to. People always ask me about, like, the videos end up on some website that they take the video, and they, I'm like, it's not mine. I, right. I don't own the footage. You know, right, I'm, right. I'm, it's like calling a pirate a pirate for being a pirate. <laughs> I, I don't know how that works, but, um, yeah, so I've never gotten any sort of, uh, hey, can you chill out, or you need to stop bootlegging our stuff. No, um, but on the contrary, they have never said Keep doing it. They right. kind of just let me operate in my little space, which I guess is good news.
3: It's remarkable that the NBA is so ahead of the other sports on this. It's just unbelievable that the other sports don't don't see this and how much it's helped because of. I mean, the NBA just dominates on social media. You'd think the other leagues would see that, but that's a whole other issue. Tell me, so tell me how. I'm going to assume, and maybe I'm wrong. Correct me you didn't start out on twitter as thinking like i'll be, i'm going to be this mb i'm going to become an mba personality was it how did it all start and when did you realize you were becoming a popular figure on twitter for your mba content
2: yeah so i mean the the topical answer to that question is I never really had the intention at first back in I think I joined Twitter in 2008 or like junior or sophomore in college or something I was a college kid like I was right. just using it to vent my opinion about stuff that was going on during the games and just other general Twitter BS kind of deal and uh, just over time you know it's just a slow slow drip again in terms of a following coming in. And I was watching the games just like everyone else. And I, I went to school and studied journalism and mass communication. So I was had a, a passion for, for writing and future, feature writing and stuff like that. So, you know what, I'm going to start a blog. And I'm going to start, you know, actually putting together an educated opinion on what I've seen, you know, in these games. And maybe the day will come that someone sees a tweet and they're like, maybe he can do more than just tweet. Oh, you know what, as a matter of fact, I have... Ended up being hundreds of thousands of words on a Tumblr blog about early 2000s NBA that I'm like, you know what? I actually do have something to show you. So it just, it developed also as the technology progressed as well. Right. So as the following maybe hit a thousand or two thousand, I think that's right around when Vine became an app. Mm-hmm. And when Vine became an app, it started to allow me to illustrate what I was tweeting about this entire time. The jokes can be great, but if they have something to refer to, someone that's not watching the game may not know what you're talking about. Vine gave me the ability to stream in real time what everyone just saw and what I'm talking about. And from that point on, I kind of had a new weapon uh, to use, I guess, in terms of something that hadn't been done before in social media. And you fast forward another couple of years after that, then this app called Meerkat and Periscope, you know, get get born in the, in the Internet sphere. And it allows you to live stream to your audience. So when you have a real-time opinion or a reaction or a preview, this is not something that's only been done on television mm-hmm. to this point, right? right. It, it opened up these avenues, not only for myself, but anyone that wanted to give this kind of real-time interaction that we so demand and ultimately it's those two moments slash developments that i think really propelled me to this point
3: today so w- was there a moment for you where you where you said oh this is becoming a thing people are coming to me or i'm getting all these likes and retweets and I, I'm somehow becoming the place to go to for NBA highlights. Was there a specific moment, or that never happened? And it was just a, you know, build, build, build type of thing.
2: Well, there, there's actually uh, two I can point to. So I, I alluded to all these words that I was writing mm-hmm. uh, back when I had a, a nine to five kind of job. Uh, I wrote something about my longtime nemesis, Darren Rovell. <laughs> we're, we're friends now. We got over it. You know, we we've made peace. He's even come on the show. But there was a moment where I exposed him for like some incorrect math and this was right after the i'm going to send your comments to your chancellor at notre dame oh that
3: was you with the comments to notre dame oh my god okay i didn't i apologize i i did not you know i sort of try to stay out of the whole you know everyone hates rovell type of thing but okay i remember that story well, and
2: well let me clarify real sure. quick because i wasn't the person that he was going to say oh, okay. the comments to about but what i did was i exposed him i think a week or so later and he had some math wrong mm-hmm. and then that's the post that kind of started bringing some eyeballs because gotcha. darren rovell is a very easy target yeah so that was step one and then step two I can remember uh, or what we say on the show Buckets that we produce now is we've gone from pizza rolls to prime time. And it sounds corny, but it's true, because the first ever Periscope uh, episode that I did back in 2014, 15, whenever that app came out, right. I was living in Los Angeles. I was at the bar. I'm a mid-20s single guy. I struck out, came home. I like, go, I'm going to make some damn pizza rolls. Should I oven them? Should I microwave them? I need your opinion. Come in here and help me. So I just put the phone on the kitchen counter and just kind of went to work. There's 50 or 75 total people that watched it at 3 a.m. And I'm like, wow, that was actually kind of decent, I guess. (laughs) I didn't know any different at the time because this is like a brand new app. And I go, what if I did this at a somewhat normal hour, maybe talked about something of substance? We can still do pizza rolls, but what if we talked about basketball? And then 50 became 150, which became 500, which became... 2,000, and then ultimately became hundreds of thousands, and that's kind of, I guess, where we're at at this moment, right. is we've done hundreds and hundreds of these late-night periscopes, um, and I, I maybe I can attribute the comment section kind of having the day one we feel like we've been in the story kind of deal, because nothing's really changed and a lot of the segments that we do on our current production are brainstormed from the comments section themselves. They come up with most of them, right. and I credit them as much as I possibly can. So they feel like that they are they're not controlling the show, but they have a huge voice in it. And knowing that your voice is being heard, I think, is ultimately why we're all on social media in the first place.
3: Absolutely. Now, so give me a, a breakdown of your day currently now i know you have this this relatively new i I know it's been around a little bit um show podcast i know there's a video form of it buckets with cassidy hubberth for cycle Uh, but i mean do you sit down forget right now it's the playoffs, so we're all everyone's watching the same exact games but let's say a regular season night where there's you know 10 or 12 nba games are you mapping out like what you're going to watch what you're going to Tweet about what you're, what highlights you're going to pull, or is it not that thought out? I'm just curious what how you go about it.
2: No, uh, good question. So I, I think Cassidy can certainly attest to this too because she's seen it. That like my apartment just turns into what I call the command center, and it's yeah. just got like three laptops, three iPads, two of which are first generation iPads and they barely work. <laughs> yeah. it's got a, you know, two TVs in there. I don't have a plan of. Um, uh, I've got. I've got to post this, this, and this at this certain time, but I'm certainly looking out for things like lightning rod type of content. Right. And when I say lightning rod type of content, I'm looking at you, Land Stevenson, J.R. Smith, Javale McGee, all the all my favorite players. Usually, you know, are going to provide these these viral moments, and I like watching them just generally, anyway. Right. So, um, in, so that's that's the Twitter side of it. I guess is I'm always just kind of keeping an eye on the things that. We're, we we see, but we don't know we saw. So whether that is things like a bench mob or the most disrespectful acts in the NBA pettiness, uh, I'm looking for those type of highlights yeah, yeah. in addition to the crossovers and the the dunks, right. you know, all, right. all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a mindset so th- for sure.
3: You said three laptops, two TVs, and two iPads. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I can get as many as I've been tested to the max. I can get as many as twelve games at once, right. and the NBA does it twice a year, and it drives me crazy. I don't know how Chris Hansen does it.
3: But you, bet, it, you bet I, I assume you pay for like the the most amount of like Wi-Fi speed you can possibly get.
2: Oh yeah, we, we could we could run the apocalypse from this apartment based on internet.
3: Stuff. Now, before we get to buckets, so I'm, I I, I want to just stick with the Twitter thing for for a little bit longer. Um, is there is there any downside to being a quote unquote Twitter celebrity personality whatever you want to call it? I mean how bad I mean listen everyone anyone anyone on Twitter gets shit from someone. So I don't know if you know what the amount you get to pe- I mean if you throw out a sports opinion inevitably people get pissed no matter what. I mean you could say LeBron James is a good basketball player and someone's going to tweet you that you're a schmuck. I'm just curious right. like is there any downside? Does it ever get too negative for you or you don't deal with that because it's, you don't pay attention to it or your content doesn't lead to that?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I try and remain as lighthearted as possible. I, I, I crack jokes that certainly I try and tiptoe the line without going over it. Um, but there's always going to be situations where I may reach for something (laughs) or something may come off as funny to someone, but corny to someone else. At this point, I've kind of dealt with it all. Is there a downside, I think, was your original question? Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if, if negative feedback gets to you, uh, this is going to be a tough job-slash-industry to survive long-term in, because you can give away free money on Twitter, and someone will find a reason yep. as to why you just giving away free money out of the kindness of your heart is a problem. So you have to be willing to absorb uh, all of that and just kind of move on, and when you're active as i am in a very uh active space i mean nba twitter besides maybe politics is probably the most active twitter out there um you just you kind of just have to stick to your yourself as long as you're willing to be yourself i've always found success in that and if if i'm not trying to be somebody else that's my recommendation to everyone else. Cause that's the only you, way you can kind of live with what you tweet.
3: Do you ever give yourself Twitter breaks? I mean, I know for me just, I mean, I'm on it, you know, basically, you know, 14, 15 hours a day, Monday through Friday, because of what I do for a living. And on Saturday and Sunday, I don't even want to check it. I, I don't tweet much on the weekends unless, you know, maybe I'm watching a Yankee game or something like that. But do you ever need a break or take a break or doesn't bother you?
2: I mean, I want to say
3: yes, <laughs> but let's be honest. No, I, don't, I can't tell you the last time
2: I've been disconnected from Twitter. Could you go I mean, 24 got,
3: hours without checking Twitter? Oh, hell no. Okay. I love no, that you can admit that. Okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was
2: thinking for a second there, should I come off as like somewhat, somewhat normal? And be right. <laughs> honest answer, I mean, I'm, I've even got Woj bombs set up. for My Woj notifications in case it goes off in the middle of the night, right. even that comes through to the phone and I wake up. All right. So. Um, yeah it, I, I would it's a borderline addiction and yeah. I'm sure a lot right. of people can relate to it but it's also it's also part of the job as well just like
3: yourself. So, Alright going 24 the, and, hours without checking it is rough. Could you go 24 hours without tweeting?
2: Oh yeah I, I okay. do that plenty. I okay. don't tweet. I'm right. not a volume tweeter. Right, I right, tweet right. You know, X amount of times per day but I am very I see everything and right. I mean everything. I got a thousand tabs open, tweet deck lists it's it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah.
3: Now, when, so at what point, if any point, I mean, did you think this would end up becoming a thing where now you're doing this podcast with Cassidy Hubbard and you're getting paid for it? When did that, did you, did you at some point say yourself, oh, this would be great if I could turn this into a job or did they come to you and it sort of happened out of the blue? Right. Tell me about that.
2: Yes. I don't think the, in, it really wasn't the intention to make this my full-time job. Because I actually I was I did a startup uh, back in the early t- 2012. God, it was a long time ago. Yeah. I was involved yeah. in the startup tech community, and I was NBA was just kind of the thing I did when I went home at night, and I just loved writing. And I ended up getting uh, an opportunity to write for money, and I'm like, whoa, maybe maybe I can make enough to p- pay the bills. Is that even possible? Right. So I was just r- writing writing as much as possible. And that ultimately turned into, with the, again, with the technology thing going on between Vine and Periscope, maybe I should do something else in addition to writing. And that became on camera type of stuff. And at that point, when the interest started coming in, you know, not only from the viewers, but, but platforms as well, you know, it was just naturally kind of fell into it. It was never really the goal, but, um, it's certainly a passion of mine. And as long as I stayed passionate about it, Uh, I knew it would get me to an opportunity where I could support myself financially doing this. And the Periscopes were always something I was doing on the side, and I got approached by uh, the guys here at Cycle, and it's a subsidiary of Casey Wasserman's network, that they were interested in taking this kind of basketball culture program that you have – putting not only financial resources behind it but human resources as well like what would you think if we gave you a production staff and a director could
3: you make something cool i'm like you know what i think i could and that's kind of how it was all born all right so tell me about buckets uh and tell my audience about buckets how often you do it what it's about what your goal is with it and where they can find it
2: right so so Buckets, our mantra on the show is that it's not just the basketball culture, it's a lifestyle. And that's a huge testament to the NBA now being a 24-7 league. It, whether the games are being played or not, there's also being games being played on social media. There's subtweets, there's Kyrie Irving liking posts that he shouldn't. It's always kind of going on. And what this show does is we try and uh, harness all of it. We're going to talk hoops, we're going to have serious basketball discussions, But you know what? If we saw a funny viral video that day, too, we're going to somehow incorporate that into a segment. We're going to look at the game differently based on what happened on social media, plus the game itself, plus the telecast. We really want to throw out a wide net in terms of you don't have to be a diehard basketball fan to enjoy this show. But if you enjoy one of these many things, I think we can teach you how to watch basketball a little bit differently. Uh, that's what buckets is in terms of w- how often I guess we and where to find us. Yeah. Uh, we are a co-branded production by ESPN and Cycle. We had our first live. Uh, we Kevin Durant was on the show. I mean, it was like it's crazy how far this has come. from. Oh, yeah. that one night in the apartment, we had <laughs> Kevin Durant on our <laughs> on our live premiere. But um, unfortunately, we've we've been placed on a hiatus, and I don't know when we're going to come back. Is oh. the honest answer. So okay. I, I usually come to this podcast for those answers. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that you don't know the well, answer, well, to that, Jimmy, I
3: would be I'm just surprised you're on a hiatus during you know the busiest time of the year. That's the only thing about it that's a little uh, you're preaching uh, in the choir, my friend. All right, but so hopefully it'll be back soon. I mean, I was gonna say the off season's coming up. Then what do you do now when the off season comes up after? Oh
2: God! The NBA finals oh finish. Oh God! And the, the the off season that first week before and after July first, which is the start of free agency. Yeah, I, that's the busiest. That is without it. That is the NBA finals. Yeah, well, that's gonna true. Le- LeBron yeah. is going to be picking his spot, and then Paul George and. There's going to be so many things going on with Twitter and Instagram, and we're going to be chasing private planes again. You know it's going to happen, even though we swore we'd never do it again. There's all of these NBA Twitter type of rituals around free agency, which are going to be blown out of proportion this year because of LeBron. Right. But it's, it's a very busy time. The only month the NBA really ever gets off is like August. Right. And it's when, it's when it kind of dies down and if there's no olympics or world championships that's the one month we can get away right um, it should be, hopefully that's the case this year but it should be quite busy july 1st
3: so and that, so what does that mean for you personally when it's the i mean what do you do you have another job you do do you um you have buckets we don't know what the status is of that but what what for you personally do you do when the nba is in the suppose it off season even though it's still busy
2: yeah so i i mean just using this as an example if buckets is is not back for whatever reason uh we're still producing content here at cycle you know just right. we'll be doing videos and stuff like right. that Right. so you're be, really
3: with cycle and then buckets is an offshoot of cycle is is right how, buckets okay. is a gotcha.
2: co co-produced production right. by both espn and cycle i uh, gotcha which is not running, but right. Cycle is still doing content. But you still got day. Cycle
3: to keep you busy.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm here full time. Perfect. So all day. I'm i in got the you. office, right? Um, but yeah, so when, when that starts happening, we'll be producing content around
3: uh, just all the basic free agency kind of stuff and, until it dies down. Now, but before you got the Buckets gig and the Cycle gig and you were tweeting a lot and using Periscope and all that, did, did you feel competitive with other... Twitter people who rip highlights. I, I, I'm thinking of um, C, CJ Zero is a guy on there who always posts highlights. Was there a competitive thing? or you? Di- I mean, I know you said earlier you didn't care if a blog used your video, but what about uh, did you care about being first with a highlight on Twitter or you didn't care? Uh,
2: well, I mean, there's going to be competition with, with about anything in any sort of business. Right. So I, right. I, I'd be lying if I said there weren't other uh, Twitter accounts out there that do uh, – the same thing that I do, my my stance, again, is always, is I'm trying to do it from a completely different angle that no one else is doing. Right. So it doesn't even matter if someone's first, if they're better, if their caption's funnier. Uh, I've always kind of stuck to this uh, le- different sort of lens that I'm watching the game through. And no matter if you're first or last, it's always going to be unique. I'm willing to be last every time as long as it's unique and the, like the quality of the videos majority of the time is bootleg, you know, that's, that's for, for speed purposes in real time. But, uh, I've, I, I've always a hundred percent been, I'd rather be completely dark than put something out there that is not, uh, either different, I, A plus type of quality. Um, I, I really don't know how else to, to put it. Other than I got that, you.
3: But I understand. Yeah. All right. Now, don't now a lot of people, if they were asked this question, I'd probably do it too. I'd be like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Cause you don't want to come off as like you're bragging, but I'm going to ask you so you can answer it. Honestly, who's the okay. biggest NBA player that follows you? Ooh. Um,
2: Oh, Oh, <laughs> you just put me on the spot big time because uh, obviously th- there's a relationship with Kevin Durant, but I don't okay. know if his, okay. I don't know if Katie Trey five follows me. Um, Cool. Uh, Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson, I think at this point is a pretty big name.
3: That uh, I, I think he f- officially follows me on Twitter. I know I do see. I see you retweeted a lot by NBA players when you when you post a highlight, maybe of LeBron or something like that. So I thought maybe you knew if the yeah, the big guns. It's were definitely fun. not at
2: the level of like. There's no Steph Curry's or Hardens or. Okay. or they definitely don't. It's more of the the Jr. Smiths and the huh. Swaggy P type of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> type of. Uh, uh that, that part of the pyramid, Right. Put it that way.
3: All right. Um, before, before I let you go, i got to ask you, you have an NBA Finals prediction.
2: Oh, that is um, that is a question. Uh, I think the Warriors are going to gentlemen sweep somebody. Right. Uh, yeah. I guess, assuming Boston finishes off the Sixers, which is not a given, if there's any team that can come back from that 3-0 deficit, it's Philly. Uh, let's assume Boston gets through. Yeah. That means the Cavs get through, in my opinion. But if the Sixers get through, it would be the Sixers. So let's say Cavs versus Warriors, and I'll take the Warriors in four or five.
3: I love it because I asked, I asked J.E. Skeets and Taz Mellis the same question, and all three of you have said Warriors basically in a sweep. And when I had Jeff Van Gundy on a couple of weeks ago, he said the Rockets are winning it all. So I, I like nope. that Jeff is out there on that on that limb. I wonder if he still tell, stands by that prediction.
2: I'll tell Jeff this. You can't out warriors, the warriors. All Dan, Tony tried to do is out warriors. The other teams by yeah. launching threes and playing that style of ball. You can't out warriors, the warriors ever. They're too good. Yeah. End of story.
3: It's going to be a shame if, um, if they just, you know, blow out the calves for games and then you got to deal with the LeBron nonsense. But I guess that's just oh, the world yeah. we live you know in. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's inevitable, which is sad. Yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. It's it's a really fascinating story and continued success. And uh, let's get buckets back. I'm a big fan of Cassidy uh, as well, so um, that show should be back. And I uh, I thank you for giving me a little bit of time.
2: Appreciate it, Jimmy. Thanks for the opportunity. All
3: right. My thanks to J. E. Skeets and Toss Mellis of the Starters and Rob Perez, A.K.A. Worldwide Wob on Twitter. Hopefully. Uh, you guys enjoyed hearing about how these guys sort of have risen up thanks to social media, blogs, podcasts. I think there was a lot of interesting insight there. And uh, it, it also shows you that the NBA um, just dominates on social media like no other sport. And uh, it was a good show. That wraps up this edition of the SI Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Trainer and I will see you next week.
1: Just search Locked On Your Favorite Team on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On Your Favorite Team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
4: At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.